I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Afternoon everyone, it's Thriving Matters Studio and a little bit of Coldplay to start us off this afternoon. I'm surrounded by three very handsome gents, all from the... Catholic Schools Office, Armadale Diocese, and uh, they're going to tell us all about why they went on such a big road trip after our um, first lot of lockdown for our education system in New South Wales. So how are you all? So in the top right-hand corner, I have um, Mr Rod Whelan. So how are you, Rod? Good, thanks, Karen. Hello. You're well? You're on the green screen. So, everyone, this is Rod on the green screen. Now, just directly below him is um, Jason Hanrahan, and I'm just trying to just turn this off. How are you, Jason? Thank uh, you. There we go. I've managed it. And Justin, um, with the beautiful headphones on, you've got your boz on, I I imagine, there, um, Justin. Um, You're all very welcome. So uh, I'm excited this afternoon. Um, I have a little bit of a different background I'm actually uh, away from home, so you get another room. So the wonders of technology uh, during our pandemic have been enablers for us, even though there are always some little hiccups. So, listeners, thank you for joining in again today. Thriving Matters Studio is all about education matters, and we're looking at what it is that we can learn from what we're doing to actually make a better future for the learning of our students. So we're going to talk all things road trip today. So Jason, help us um, understand what you three handsome gents do at the Catholic Schools office up in Armidale. Let us know what your job is. Thanks, Kerry. Um, We're all school performance leaders. So our role, I guess it's it's a different or a variation of the school's consultant role. Our role is to connect with schools, support schools on their improvement journeys. And um, so there's a whole lot of different things that we do associated with that, um, trying to help build build the school teams to improve the learning and teaching in our schools. That would be really a very interesting job. Um, The role you play would get you to meet so many amazing people, the connections are really what you're, you're on about. Your role talks about connections between individuals in your schools, your leaders, your teachers, your staff, your students, your parent community. So it's it's very holistic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting and um, rewarding role. It's been wonderful so far. Now, um, we're talking about a system of schools in the northwest of New South Wales, absolutely stunning country, but give us an idea of the size of your schools, the, the you know, the number of them, Are they, you know, because I imagine they're, they're quite remote and then some very large regional areas. Yeah, so the diocese ranges, well, goes from all the way up to Mungandai, which is on the Queensland-New South Wales border in the, in the northwest, go across to east of Tenerfield, 
um, down towards Armidale, um, Narrabri. What's what's the most south there, boys? Um, Corindai. Corindai is the most south. Big big centres like Tamworth. Um, so big centres with schools of eight hundred and fifty students. Um, big primary schools of 550, 600 students, yeah. um, all the way to um, smaller schools of uh, 25 to 40 students as well. So a big range, three big, three secondary schools, two K to 10 schools and the rest of primary schools. That's really quite diverse, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. How many Ks do you do? I mean, I think you'd be clocking them up when you're you're out on the road. There'd be a few there. Yeah, probably more than more than we some of us wanted, <laughs> more than we need to sometimes. But um, oh, lots of case. Like it's about well, three hundred and seventy case to Mung and from Armidale. Yeah. So um, yeah, lots of lots of case. All right. All right. Now uh, we we we're looking at um, in in our previous episodes on thriving uh, matters studio. We've been looking at leadership, well being. Uh, what it is about our communities and how their learning communities are working together. And, of course, we've been locked down um, and we can call it lots of different things, but we can call it remote learning, we could call it virtual learning, we could call it blended, we could call it homeschooling. So, Rod, would you give us an idea of what was the impetus for the trip around the diocese and, um, you know, just give, help us get the picture of why you did what you did. And, and then, uh, you know, any, all of you can just, ju just join in and help us with understanding how it all went. Thanks, Carrie. When, when this started, there was a really clear message from system leadership to principals and schools that we trust you in your work. Mm. So what, rather than giving directives um, about what it would look like in a diocese, particularly because the diversity of communities uh, and size of schools and even resourcing of schools. Um, there was a really clear message from Director Chris Smythe and all others in the system, we trust you. So that, um, that was really worried from principals and leadership teams to staff. And we picked up really quickly that some of the anxieties um, that people reported on working in other systems was the, uh, the, the highly directive nature of, um, mm. of the whole thing. And, and we had decided early on that that wasn't going to be the case here. Um, we knew that these highly capable teams would do whatever was required in the next best step in supporting learning and well-being for our children and young people. And we were really quite interested in seeing how that unfolded. As soon as you say you'll do it like this, you take away an opportunity uh, for some inquiry cycles, thinking, some action research, looking. Um, that, and we didn't... We, we went out to see how this situation had accelerated our thinking prior to it or to see what it would do to help us discern what our next best steps were for the system were. We didn't go out thinking, okay, what we see now is going to be here forever. Uh -huh. We were yeah. more interested in going to see how a team of highly skilled, helpful adults would adapt to this and in the context where we trusted them to do what was best for their community, we were more interested in going out to see what they come up with. Uh -huh. 
you really piqued your curiosity cycle, didn't you, by having that attitude, looking at it through the, the, that uh, great lens that you had. So it also, and of course, it also then um, it's much easier to say, "Look, we're coming to visit, but all we're doing is to see what great work you've done." Um, uh, and I imagine you've got some fabulous examples. So we'll uh, we'll get to that. Um, I'm um, Justin. What about uh, how you were uh, received? You know, usually country towns give you uh, a bit of bit of uh, a hurrah. You know, when you come in, with you know, did the did they sort of say, "Look, who's coming to town? Uh, welcome you." It couldn't. Have, it may have been a little bit different to that. But how did you find going around? What was it like for you? Yeah, I, look, I think it's just really special. Um, in terms of that um, drive out, especially between Narrabri and Walgett, it's about 250, 200 kilometres of flat, really flat ground. And um, last year, you know, with, with the bush suffering through immense drought, um, seeing that sort of, um, seeing the sort of the rain and the crops in the ground, um, it, it was a sort of a really surreal experience um, in many ways um, in the backdrop of a pandemic. Um, and I remember sort of going in and um, uh, to, um, into um, uh, one school in particular and just um, uh, shaking hands with a bloke I hadn't seen in a while, you know, just a, a really sort of um, like a hardworking person and, um, you know, just to be welcomed into that community. Um, it just felt like a tremendous um, privilege and, and a real example of that bush hospitality on show. Well, it's um, I'm a Cooma girl. I grew up in the country as well, um, and so yeah, you you have some amazing memories of how people rally, that connectedness, how you rally for lots of different causes to help, to assist when disasters strike, when there's massive change afoot. So I'm not surprised, and I'm so pleased that uh, you got to you got to experience some um, some hometown hospitality. Tell me about uh, what you saw, what you observed, because we've got two of these, two of these, um, and they're very, very useful if we we, we tune them up. Um, tell me what you saw and observed around leadership, around well-being, around student voice. So I'm going to let, let you just go with it. So jump in there and uh, to tell us what you saw, what you heard, what you observed. One of the greatest things, Carrie, I think Rob might have mentioned this before, was the the one one thing that struck me when we went round and, and the three of us as we went round was the deep connection that kids, teachers and families have with their school community and the deep connection the school community has with the local community and, um, and the importance of the role of the school in that local community as well. Um, and I think what we mentioned about trusting trusting the schools to make the right choice or the right next step based upon um, their own context. Mm. And that, the trust we had in them or the trust that was placed in them was really rewarded. And and the what we get from the, the message we got particularly, and our students were, were a great example, everywhere we went when we spoke to students was that deep connection they had with their school, the, the sense of gratitude those those kids had for the work that the teachers did and the work that the school did to try and keep them learning and that was a particularly um, evident in our secondary school space uh, spaces um, I think that was one of the most rewarding things and and 
heartwarming things to to learn as we went around, went around, and and the deep connect the 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 fact that that connection and participation allowed the kids to continue learning and learning at, at a high level. Yeah, you're right there, Jason. Like in terms of that deep connection that schools are sort of fostering, like it builds up trust. Then, like I, I'm not quite sure what the experiences were um, like in, um, in in the sort of the metropolitan areas, but what I felt was the social contract in those towns were really strong. Um, and I remember having this conversation with one teacher, and this one teacher, they they weren't scared like so much scared as the virus, but they were scared about bringing it back into the town, and, and that was a sort of a real fear. But in terms of um, the sort of like uh, students' connections uh, to the school are really important, but also sort of the teachers and the school leaders' um, connection to the t um, connection to the school was important. Yeah. And. Um... I think I was struck before we started our tour, right at the start of the um, year, we'd been talking about the need to do fewer things in schools mm. to make sure that students and staff are engaged in uh, meaningful, worthwhile work. Um, sorry. And we arrived there and, and saw, this, uh, saw this happening. The, um, we're, we're trying to say that there's not a lot of ideas in schools. We've got a collective responsibility mm. with conditions of leadership, teaching, learning, well-being, um, and it's all the same work. And we want to reduce it to a few most mm. important things and strip away the unnecessary. And, and what this um, pandemic did is um, hurried us along a little bit with stripping away the unnecessary. And we ask those questions... Uh, we want to reduce teacher non-classroom work. Uh, we want to make the classroom the main place of um, learning and of assessment. That's all thrown in the air in a pandemic, but the way the teachers continued to ensure that students had meaningful, worthwhile work and, and the way that they stripped away the unnecessary uh, was really helpful in us saying, okay, that was the right idea. We've got to do more of that. And schools return to whatever a future around normal looks like. You know, one, oh, sorry, one of the great things about sort of um, listening to Rod is his deep reflection. And it sort of reminds me of a paper, a white paper that um, Microsoft produced during the, the pandemic around remote learning. And in that, um, uh, Microsoft were talking about that we believe that the sudden shift to remote learning while tremendously difficult, has propelled school system leaders and educators to reflect deeply on what works best for students and what innovation should be taken up. And, um, you know, like just in hearing that, like it, it's the sort of the reflection that's able to drive those next steps, which is the important thing. Well, student voice is, is critical in, in, in your reflections on this and the questions that you ask. So, I um, I have had some students on the show on a previous episode, and uh, they were they were fantastic. They were very frank, upfront, um, and centre with great suggestions. Mm. Uh, it wasn't antagonistic, but it was really future thing. Uh, future focused in in a way. So I'd be interested in some of the the student voice that you heard, Rod. One of the um... We can name towns, we won't name school, but we went to a school in Gunnedah and spoke to an extraordinary group of young people. Um, and we don't go in and say, okay, tell us about learning, tell us what's 
working, what's not. No, we need to say, how's this been for you? Yeah. Um, how's it felt to be part of this school community? And the um, the convictions and the the, uh, the great appreciation those students had for one another, for their teachers, um, for their families, and the empathy they had for other students who were doing it tougher than them. Mm, mm. Um, you know, we know that um, children and young people are extraordinary, but it's just great when you're there to hear it. Uh, and it, it was so affirming, and without giving away too many details, the stories that representative group of students told us about student colleagues who they knew were doing it tough and what they'd done to help them to connect uh, was quite inspiring. But the, um, the best thing, of course, is that you're hearing the same sentiments from uh, students and from teachers. And, and one of the things that we are getting more clearly focused on is, you know, a starting point for a skilled team of um, helpful adults in a system You've got to raise the bar fairly high. And, and we would say we want all our adults to have an unconditional high positive regard for children and young people. Or if you don't, you're in the wrong game, you know? Yeah. To hear our teachers give clear indication of that high regard and to hear that echoed back um, from our students made us really clear that our first work is a relational one and it's to build connection to the school. Mm -hmm. Um, it's helped us shape our annual improvement planning for next year. The last thing we would do would be to say, here's all our headings. What are you going to do in each, under each of those headings? Yeah. Uh, we would now be saying, what's been your area of greatest positive influence? How can you amplify that um, influence? And by the way, thanks for it. Uh, it, it leads to great outcomes for young people in our schools. Um, what are some challenges? And what's the next best step forward for your um, school community? And that's really different from saying, okay, um, show us some, show us uh, evidence of improvement in this area, this area, and this area. It's also helped us to say, get your leadership team right first. Get your middle leaders right, and the vast majority are. Um, but the notion that ineffective teams get straight to work, spend some time um, talking about that um, collaborative professionalism that we need for high-functioning teams. Yeah. Um, let's focus on supporting you to get that right before we start to say, uh, what are we going to do? And when we decide what we're going to do, let's make sure that it involves worthwhile, meaningful learning for um, our students. Can I pick and up there on something Rod said, carry a couple of things. The the, the notion of, of that high-functioning team was really important during that period. Mm -hmm. um, and we found that those schools that identified themselves as having high-functioning teams were actually better placed to respond more quickly and more effectively to the challenge at the time. Um, but what it also did, one of our learnings was that actually some of the, the teams that were not high, as high performing prior to were forced into that collaborative professionalism. They were forced into, instead of having 
planned collaboration time, being having to collaborate all the time. All the time. Um, and, and that's something that's been taken from that. And as Rod mentioned, we need to be working on getting the team right first. Um, yeah, is, sorry, Justin, you again? No, no, you, you're all right, Jason. I was just saying another thing that was great about when we talk about student voice, um, the students meant talked a lot about um, having greater autonomy during that time and having choosing what they learn and, and learning at their own pace. And what they were able to do, schools were able to do with us actually listen to that voice really clearly, make adjustments on the run to the way they taught. Even, for example, one of the kids or a number of schools, the kids would say to us, particularly early on, the instruction that the teachers gave them via the Loom videos or, or the, the, the clips went for too long. <laughs> and they, and they, they were really clear. Kids could give us and primary school could give us exactly how much time they thought they needed to go for, between five and ten minutes, no longer. And um, so based on that feedback, teachers were able to adjust what they, what they did in terms of the learning they were providing for the students, which made it much more meaningful for the, for the kids. Um, schools and there's a, there's a number of schools that were able to make adjustments to the way they when the kids returned to listen to that voice. So students, for example, wanting more autonomy, wanting to be able to learn at their own pace. Some schools were able to make adjustments and give students in senior years or, or, or year twelve a day per week where they could learn from home yeah. or come into school depending on what suited them best. Yeah. Um, so, there's some really great things that have come out of it um, that fit around that student choice and voice and, and um, being able to work in teams. Mm. I think one of the things I've heard in nearly every episode that we've done since um, pandemic started is this, this um, realisation that uh, autonomy to be able to make decisions for your context is... Uh, one of the most empowering things for our leadership teams. And um, your part of your role will be to look at uh, the needs, the needs of your, your leadership teams in how they look at student learning and wellbeing because wellbeing has just uh, really escalated. It's, it's really amplified its importance because in all the stories that you heard, uh, the difficulties that some families and some some individuals were facing um, were, were fairly managed. Yeah, uh, families without income, families with uh, who who didn't have the opportunity of of getting to services that they needed. A whole lot of different things uh, would be impacting on on their well being as well. So, one of the the beautiful things is that uh, the autonomy seems to be up there nearly in every system. I've talked to Victorian teachers, uh, Queensland, every, everywhere around the state, Adelaide, New, um, South Australia, New Zealand. Autonomy is a big thing for, for leadership within school teams and lessening of the, um, the imposed, the imposed direct directions. So thank you for that. And as um, you know, we're well aware of that sometimes battle between coherence and autonomy. Mm -hmm. So Armadale Diocese is, is several years into some fairly directed um, um, areas, particularly around use of data uh, to inform next steps in learning. Um, there's mm -hmm. been 
there's been collaboration time built into the timetable. So professional learning teams have met. We know the next step is to give autonomy, greater autonomy now for schools to, to be part of the system agenda, but also to set their own agenda. Uh, and we, we've got to, we're ready to step past that, um, that notion of we all do this at the same time together. That was necessary, but time for next step. Again, very similar to what we want for our students, we want for our staff, the, the ability to have some voice in what next best steps are. Yeah, and, and voice is just as critical for your staff and your teachers as, as, as your students and, and also your parents. So if we talk stakeholders, the voice is there and coming together um, is, is what you're, you're um, being able to share with us. Yeah, and, and really to build on that, Carrie, like what we're trying to do at the moment in our annual improvement process is we're thinking about the system and the thinking about the best way to co-design the system so that we can unlock the voice of the stakeholders and as many stakeholders as possible. So making sure that we sort of, like the organisation means something for our students, our people, um, our parents, our rural communities um, and, and our church as well, being a Catholic system. Yes, yes. I, um, I'm going to ask you now if um, the good, good Aussie spirit had, had come through in some of your um, collaborations that you had in, in uh, the various schools, school communities. And um, I, I look at wellbeing as um, a way that we are able to self-manage ourselves, our, our emotional aspects, the way that we think, the way that we make decisions, the way we process different things that happen to us. And the pandemic was a, um, and is still uh, causing some massive shifts in the way we are living, the way we're learning and, uh, and how we are managing that. So I, um, the, the cheeky girl in me says, have you got some funny stories? which are not disrespectful, but are highlighting this notion of country connectedness, of regional and community um, um, uh, being together, being together and pitching in together. So I was just wondering if you had a couple of interesting stories that you might share with us around what it was you saw on your road trip, because really what you've been doing is an action research um, study. Um, you know, and it's a it's a privilege to be able to do it in face to face um, in times. And now we're you know because when I look at this, I think it's highly possible that these um, uh, coronaviruses or particular viruses will not be eradicated. They will continue to um, to to grow and appear in different ways. And so this might not be the only time that this has happened to us. Our Victorian colleagues have had a, had a double um, lockdown. So it's highly possible that we are going to be looking at um, a blended way of educating, face-to-face, on-site, as well as virtual. So you got any? Oh, I, don't, I don't know if it's funny, but he's, he used to hit, we heard stories of kids that, um, because they live out on properties, as they're trying to connect to connect to the online uh, mode of learning. They're, they're set up a little classroom in a, in a horse trailer on the top of a hill um, right away from the house so they could get some service, get some mobile service to be able to, to do the work. You know, that's a commitment to me, to me and those sorts of stories. 
that's innovation, though, don't you think? That's yeah. here. I've got a problem. How am I going to s- solve it? It's that's 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 action action um, research in in the in the paddock in the top paddock. Yeah, yeah getting the uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's the way that's the way we all do, and it's experiential learning. And our kids, I think, we often underestimate their uh, their creativeness, their imagination, and the way they can think through their um their projects and their and their uh, experiments yeah very cool what else have we heard about um particularly i'm interested in um thriving and well-being so was there a couple of things that you've you've uh, actually been on your mind around a way forward for for well-being yeah, well, one of the things that we used um, during the time was so we started to think about the data that we needed mm. um, and, and not just um, like to unpack that, it's more around evidence of impact. So the stuff that we were looking at like in terms of wellbeing is that we had a, a, a like a, a principal equity survey that we shared with the principals and w- then we were able to sort of like um, highlight the pressure points in schools um, and what we needed to do for for um, certain sections in our community, um, in particular, um, like our um, like our students with disabilities. Um, also, another really strong um, sh- strong community in Armidale is our ATSI community, our Aboriginal community. Um, and so then we were able to design um, those sort of next steps with those things in mind. Um, an interesting point um, was around. Um, we also conducted a principal wellbeing survey when everything was being thrown up in the air. We didn't quite know like what those next steps were, and identifying for us where those pressure points lie, lay um, was really important. And um, just going back over my notes, um, you know, like getting the home learning right was really important for school leadership teams. Um, uh, you know, workforce uh, protection being equally important, um, getting the communication channels right, um, and then also the big focus on wellbeing. Um, and, and uh, you know, like Rod obviously knows well, is, is shaped more about wellbeing. Um, if you want to continue, Rod. So the... Um the big thing for us in our schools is uh, our students knowing that they're valued, cared for and respected and the notion that that becomes before all else. And really it comes before else. We, we would insist that we aren't just saying that. Mm-hmm. So, um, when we walk around into our primary schools, Primary schools are quite consistent. You walk into them, most of the schools have open spaces. They are calm. You can tell that the the students were cared for, valued and respected. And it's a real privilege to walk into those places. We've got um, two central schools that go K to 10, and we've got um, three 7 to 12 um, high school, so we've got the full variety, and um, the we walk into the secondary schools and we see the same thing, though in different settings. Obviously, because you're changing teachers five times a day, there's a bigger yeah. population on the on the ground. Um, but despite those different contexts, if the first work is to ensure that our kids feel valued and respected. And to reflect on what that means in terms of the language we use, the coaching voice we use in a class rather than the teaching voice, 
um, the hopefully the dismantling of a um, control managed discipline approach uh, to behavior and um, really quite explicitly um, saying our schools are places that recognize children and young people are complex human beings deserving of our uh, respect and admiration. Now, the notion of teamwork works at a leadership team. It's really important at middle leadership uh, level, but it's most important at the classroom level when we consider um, the adults and the students they are working with to be a learning team. And, and one thing um, I'm sure Jason and Justin uh, will agree really strongly, when you go around and talk um, to young people in our schools, particularly in the secondary schools, they often get a bad rap. Mm. We often get this, um, this disgraceful media projection that kids in our schools are out of control. Nothing could be further from the, the truth from the schools that, um, that we saw. Um, their concern for one another and their concern for their teacher yeah. colleagues, and I use that word really deliberately. Mm. Uh, at its best, they, they do work as um, colleagues. Uh, absolute privilege to be um, associated with. But it, it puts our focus again um, onto what does the, the, the most important place is classrooms. We say over and over here that students spend 15,000 hours, K to 12, uh, a school. Yeah. That, that is in itself a, um, a huge formative influence on the lives of those young people. It is. And you think about our collective responsibility to make sure that's a pretty good place for them. Um, and to be part of a system where that, that's the thinking, uh, pretty exciting. Uh, our next push is um, a scaffold for describing behaviour, de-escalating behaviour, teaching of replacement behaviours, so that we get a consistent idea, particularly the incidence of students in the diocese who may have social, emotional, behaviour difficulties. Yeah. Um, and we're, like most systems in Australia, we're probably ashamed that uh, 20 years ago if there was a behaviour issue, um, you might have found yourself out on the street. If there was a learning issue, you might have been offered more support. Um, so it's, it's reinforced our belief that the con constant question we, we have to be asking is are we meeting the needs of this young person here? Well, that's up front and centre, isn't it? That's yeah, it's a big question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, for, uh, for most of our kids, Carrie, uh, well-being, if we teach them well, we're good quality student-centred teaching, we create that connection and participation with the school and with their class, we give them the opportunity to work as a team, as Rod said, in a class, in a classroom sense. Um, for most of our kids, that will look after their well-being. They'll be happy, well-adjusted young people who who will just want to learn. And uh, and then, like Rod said, we put in we put steps in place for those that have other that have other issues or have some difficulties because of various reasons. Well, we look after our own, don't we? We look after our everyone in the community, and uh, that's that's my my view of what a community is. We we try and look after it, uh, look after each other. 
Um, you've given us a great uh, example of, of what you've been able to see and hear um, and notice and how it's going to affect the way you move forward um, because that would be every single education system in Australia and I believe globally would be looking at how do we how do we even um, uh, plan plan perhaps for for continued viruses or continued situations where we haven't got access um, to face-to-face that's, -face, uh, you know, 100% of the time. Uh, really, schools took on a large proportion of a health response um, for the nation, yeah? Uh, that's uh, so, as well as our, our policing and our nursing um, areas, our health systems. Um, so the three large um, employers of, uh, face-to-face -face people uh, um, have been involved in, in our response to just trying to um, provide the best education possible in a time of great change. Um, something that we've uh, been, um, you know, a lot of us have either felt quite um, okay with or some of us have found, found very difficult because we're social beings. And um, part of, uh, you would have heard, I imagine, from your students and your teachers and your families, you know what it was like to felt quite isolated physically from from each other, um, and how they were able to adjust the way that they were feeling about that. And um, I uh, I thank you for telling us a little bit about what happened um, on the road trip. Now I'm not sure. Did you all go together at the same time? How did you How did you work it out? Mostly, mostly. So there was for most schools. The three of us were there. And um, and for some of them, only uh, two of us could be there at certain points. But uh, yeah, we mostly went to all the schools together, which was great for us. We, we had, we're only new in this job this year, so um, it was good for us to spend some more time together, and also good for us to. Well, we really hadn't got out to visit the schools before remote learning, so um, yeah. kicked off. So we were able to create those connections and develop those relationships ourselves um, on that road trip as well. Well, it's quite easy to be in the office, so to speak, and send out the directives and believe that you know your communities because of what you uh, believe from paperwork or from, uh, you know, from, from conversations. But something different to be out there with the communities in actually seeing exactly how things were, were playing out and listening. Um, so I, I would, um, I'm wondering, are you going, you think you might do it again? Would it be something? Would it be a strategy that you would uh, you would try again? Yeah, we're, um, next week, um, Carrie, we're going out again on the road. So, yeah. um, co-designing our annual improvement um, plans with with um, schools. It's a it's a look. Uh, um, being a school performance leader in Armidale requires a lot of travel. Like, so mm. you get used to listening to um, really good podcasts, yeah. uh, um, playlists, and. <laughs> um, yeah, and just uh, taking the, the the beauty of the um, Australian nature, Australian bush. Hey? It's actually quite beautiful. The metaphor of nature with leadership, nature with well-being, nature with connection. Um, I really like a good metaphor, and uh, I think we've uh, we've experienced a lot of it this afternoon. So, I would love to actually to see the visuals, some of the visuals of, of what you see. You know, the the beautiful sunsets, and how did the sunset play out in you know uh, in Gunnedah? How did 
you know, the call of the magpies, the early morning happened at Mungandai, you know, and you could you could relate that to uh, to leadership as as well. Um, and the other the yeah. other um, big thing that's happened up here this year, um, I know when I came up here initially, um, well, maybe October last year, November last year, the area is in serious serious drought. Um, and we've been lucky enough that most of the region um, has had um, uh, really farm-saving uh, rains. Um, and the beautiful Liverpool Plains in all its glory this year, driving um, from Gunnedah to Corindai, is one of rural Australia's great sites. Um, we, we, saw, we saw lots, some of those communities were at breaking point and some of them still are because the rain, um, it, it might mean that your crop is fine, but those who sold off stock, restocking is nearly impossible. Yeah. Lots of our families are in this uh, beautiful setting where there's lots of feed and can't afford to restock. <laughs> Luckily, lots of them um, have these superb crops that are the best in seven years. One of the things we know, particularly at the, um, um, at the high schools, was a number of farming families we serve. And again, at, at one town, the number of kids who told us what they do to help mum and dad at home on the, on the farm is a real eye-opener and a couple of very touching stories about mm. students aware, so aware of the pressure that their parents have been under and strategies mm. they use to help at home. And the number of older students who talked about how their work, apart from the farm work, was to help a younger brother or sister with their learning. Mm. It was um, extraordinary. Mm. And I'm not and saying it's different there. Uh, I'm sure it happened all over the country, but yeah, it was good to hear. Oh, in, we all know that our kids um, learn not just through books, reading, writing, whatever it is that they do, their subjects, they're learning from life. And that's, I think that's, Rod, that's what you're adding to the conversation here, that the, the learning during this time, um, the contribution to your family, to the well-being of, of um, your, your family and your community um, is, is very strong and it's a great teacher. Uh, and we don't, we probably don't give our kids as much credit. And I think that's what you were uh, alluding to before. We we need to actually acknowledge the value that they they do place. I um I've got to thank you all this afternoon. I know that it's um Tuesday afternoon. Everyone has different things to do, so I want you to go and do them. I want to thank you, Justin. Thanks for all your um, contribution this afternoon. Thank you, Carrie. And I'm glad you didn't tell the story about the uh, supermarket. Yep. And I'll let our, our listeners keep wondering about that. Thank you, Jason, for, um, Thanks, for, for that. And I know that we, you've got some colleagues around uh, the state going, hi, how are you? Thank you, Rod, um, very you. much. Uh, great to see you all again. Thank you for your contribution. Um, I'd love to hear about the return visit. And uh, but I'd really like to see some of the visuals as well. Perhaps you should take this with you, or the, or the camera, and um, put it together. Mm. Well done. See you. Well see you. All right. Thanks, listeners, listeners. If you'd like to know a little bit more about Rod, Justin, or Jason, 
uh, Catholic Schools Office, Diocese of Armidale. You can find that address very easily online through social media as well. Um, and I'd like to really thank them for adding to their afternoon here. And if you'd like to know more about what I do, you can find me on all socials, carriebenedette.com um, and our Thriving Matters Conversations and also our Thriving Matters podcasts. So over to you. Uh, please take care of your good selves, your thriving matters, and our education matters more than ever. All increase our awareness and enjoy what it is that we're learning and create those circumstances where we can learn beyond our imagination. Bye, everybody. I'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.